Amen. I'm glad he will. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, we're going to do something a little different. You know that I don't like to do things normal around here. We're going to have a little contest. And uh, so I'm going to ask everyone under 18 to stand up, please. And here's what the contest is. Whoever, if uh, what I want to find out is our youngest person that can get, quote for me, in order, all 12 of the minor prophets. So if you cannot do the minor prophets, I want you to sit. Let's see. So, oh, we got two. Wow, look at this. All right. Brianna, you're younger, and here's what the deal is. I'm going to give, give you, I'm going to let you know what the prize is if you're successful. All right? You can tell me the candy bar of your choice, and you'll get it hopefully by Sunday if I remember. And so I'm sure someone will remind me between here and there. If, and so I'm, going to, I'm actually going to double check because I don't want to get mixed up. All right? So the 12 minor prophets in order, please. Malachi. All right. You may be seated. And uh, Brianna wins the prize as the youngest person in our church that can do all of the minor prophets. Now, at a show of hands, how many adults could, could have done that? Okay, we had a whopping three people, and they're all sitting in the pastor's family uh, pew. Uh, we're, I guess we're claiming Brianna for now. Um, so, wow. That's pretty good. I think. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> As you know, on Sunday nights, it's been my practice to preach through books of the Bible, and you may or may not realize that we've completed First uh, and Second Thessalonians, and uh, we need a new book. I have been preaching through books through, on Sunday nights. I was trying to figure, I believe, for the last five years when God laid it on my heart that this, is, this was a change that he wanted me to make. And I didn't do this on purpose. I've just been trying to get the mind of the Lord every time that it's time for a new book. And uh, for the first time, and I'm trying to think, I think I've, I've preached through 10 books of the Bible, but for the very first time, uh, the Lord has led me to an Old Testament book and one of the minor prophets. And so um, I encourage you to uh, study those minor prophets now, to be honest with you, I can't. I get lost in the Minor Prophets. That's where mo all of our good scripture memory goes to die in the Minor Prophets, typically. Um, they're small books, and, they're, and uh, oftentimes uh, we don't know them well. And uh, so I'd encourage you to work on, on it. But the book of the Bible that I felt like God led me to is the book of Zechariah. Zechariah. So I invite you to turn with me there. Now, some of you who don't know, find Malachi. You probably know Malachi's last, and go back a book. All right? So uh, find Malachi, Matthew, Malachi. We're going backwards here to kind of help you out. Most of you know where Matthew is. Matthew, Malachi, and then Zechariah. So I tell you that it's after Haggai, but Haggai is two whole whopping chapters, and uh, you might not find Haggai very easily. Um, we're not looking at Zephaniah, okay? So Zephaniah and Zechariah, we might fool you a little bit, but we're looking at Zechariah. 
And uh, this is one of the longest, I think it's the longest, if I'm not mistaken, minor prophet. Um, and uh, we're, we're going to spend some time in this book together. Before we begin, I wonder, tell me, I'd like everyone to participate in this. Tell me everything you know about the book of Zechariah. Ooh, we don't know if he's a priest, although there are arguments that maybe he was, so that, that's an interesting point. And building the temple was, was of course, one of the, most, one of the important pieces of uh, his ministry. So that is right. Good. Anything else from our Bible scholars in the, in the congregation? Well, that's good. I'm excited about this because it means everything's going to be new and fresh. There's not going to be any rolling of the eyes that, oh, we've heard this before. Because none of you heard any of this before, apparently, <laughs> or you don't remember. And so, anyhow, listen, I know the minor prophets, and, and, and this is just honestly an introduction. I don't even know if you're going to really call tonight a pre sermon. I'll get back there. But the minor prophets are hard books for us to read through. And one of the reasons that I think it's so difficult for us to read them is because they don't really give us a lot of context for the events that they're talking about. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, we know something about the fact that, uh, they've you know, that they've come back after the um, Babylonian captivity, and we know something about it but we really don't have a good idea of what's going on. The other thing is, these aren't stories. I, we can get excited, at least I get excited about 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. I get excited about reading those. Joshua, Judges, they're all stories. Now some people tell me they get bored in the Chronicles, and I say, how can you get bored with stories? It's one story after another, that's exciting. But I guess history just, people say history, uh, story. But the minor prophets aren't stories. And I think something that, that we, we struggle with is with prophecy. Because sometimes prophets just don't make sense. They say things, and it's like, well, I'm glad you saw that, but I don't know what that is. I mean, Ezekiel saw a wheel and a wheel, and you're like, huh? <laughs> and I mean, I've heard people try to explain it as they saw, uh, that, that what he's seeing is UFOs. You know, they're round with the little, and they're like, what? We just don't know. We don't have good context, and we don't have a good understanding of what's going on in the prophecies. And so what happens is we get to these minor prophets, and, and, I, and I don't know if you read the Bible through in a year or if you just do devotionals or if you just jump to your whatever favorite book or whatever, but if you, unless you read your Bible through, the minor prophets are not one that really is a place, you're just not likely to go to that section of the Bible to get your daily dose of inspiration, and that often what we do with our scripture reading is we want our daily dose of inspiration. 
And so we miss out. We miss out on so much. I should just read for you the text. It's Zechariah chapter 1. And and again, I'm not really preaching. I just want to introduce the book to us uh, tonight. He says, In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechai. Uh, Love these names. The son of Edo, the prophet, saying, The Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers. Wow. Isn't that a great way to start? Zechariah's ministry is, is a little bit different. The Bible tells us that he was a young man when he started, and you'll, we'll see that in chapter 2 and verse 4, that God called him as a young man. He's a young preacher. I like to think of myself as a young preacher. I don't know that, that I have that as much, but I, I remember especially as a, as a young preacher, a younger preacher in my first church or or even, you know, beyond that. But, you know, I used to be concerned. I mean, most, I, I, I would, I'd be getting up and I'd be preaching to people who've been serving God longer than I've been alive. And you know what? That's probably still true. Some of you probably have been serving God longer than I've been alive. I was born in 81. So everybody who's been saved before that you're spiritually older than I am biologically. And I know that I, I would struggle as a, as a young preacher. How am I supposed to get up and preach in front of people who've been serving God longer than I've been alive? And I, and I used to just... And you know what? I, I, think that, I think the devil does that to young preachers a lot. And Zechariah is, is a young man. He's come onto the scene. And Israel's got problems. They've got real problems. They started building the temple, but they stopped. They got more interested in building their homes and building a life for themselves, and, and they've stopped building the temple. They're not excited about that anymore. And Haggai, the prophet that comes before him, has preached, been preaching about two months when God speaks to Zechariah. And I kind of imagine, just as an introduction to this book, just to help us to get some context, get some understanding about this book, I kind of imagine that Zechariah was like, Lord, you already have Haggai. And I would guess Haggai is older. And the people are already listening to Haggai. And he's, I mean, he's been preaching for two months and, and, and you're do, using him and God, I can tell that you're using him. Why would you want to talk to me? And why would you need me to, to preach? Why, I'm just a young man. Who am I that they would listen to me? And I cannot just imagine the insecurities that he had to be facing, the insecurities that I felt as a, as a younger preacher, and, and now I don't sense them as much anymore, although every once in a while I do still sense those. When I had to pre- uh, speak at preacher's convention, I felt that very strongly. 
I mean, these guys have been preaching longer than I've been alive. What do we do with all of that? What does Zechariah do? Is he's called to speak and to preach and to, and to give the word of the Lord when he's just a young man. Someone called up Warren Wearsby, a young preacher, and asked him these same questions. I like to read Warren Wearsby. He's not, he's not of our persuasion, but I, I just really just like reading his, his style. I find him to be understandable. And he was sharing about how this young preacher had called him out asking for advice. How do I preach to people <laughs> that are so much older than I am? And Warren Wearsby said, he, you know, as he heard that question, he remembered as a young person, he faced the same thing, and he called up a preacher he respected, an older preacher. Apparently, I was too dumb as a young person. I don't think I ever asked anybody about that. I think I just dealt with it. But Warren Wearsby said that he remembered and what had been told to him, and he told it to this young man. He says, every time you preach from the Word of God, you are 2,000 years old. And I thought, you know, that, that, that might have helped me. Sometimes I feel 2,000 years old. But Zechariah is a young man, and he's, 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 not, he's not speaking for himself. He's speaking for the Lord, and the Lord is the Ancient of Days. So we have a picture. It's, it's November, King Darius' second year of his reign. There's been a lot of issues in Israel. There's been people who had stayed and they'd been in the kingdom. Uh, they got left behind for whatever reason and their descendants have been left behind. And now these people are starting to come out of Babylon. They're being, uh, they're being set, uh, sent home and allowed to go home. And, and now there's conflict from those that stayed and those that, that are returning. There's, there's issues with the, the priest, the house of Levi, one commentator said that the issue was is they were just lazy. Wow. <laughs> Not much worse than a lazy preacher, huh? They've got all sorts of issues. And here comes, here comes Zechariah, who's the grandson of a prophet, Edo. But how many have read the book of Edo? It's not in your Bible if you're looking for it. <laughs> we wouldn't even know anything about this prophet if it weren't for the fact that, that uh, Zechariah says that he's the grandson of this prophet. I mean, you talk about a minor prophet. He's so minor, he doesn't get his own book. In fact, I, can't, I don't remember. I, I didn't look it up, but just, just to be honest with you, I don't recall the prophet Edo in the Chronicles or anywhere else. If he said anything important, and I assume that every word he said uh, that was the word of the Lord was important, it's been lost to us. And so here comes this young preacher who comes from this unknown preacher's family. He's young. The nation's in a mess. The church, if you will, is a mess. 
And God gives him a word. You remember in in the New Testament, the disciples will ask Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus says something in his prayer that, that, I, that I, I think we often overlook. He says, thy kingdom come. And what's inferred there is that it is not yet come. It hasn't yet arrived. And every time we are, pray uh, this prayer, the, the Lord's prayer, every time we pray that, We are asking for the Lord's kingdom to come, recognizing it hasn't come yet. But Jesus' whole ministry, his whole uh, uh, life is all about, I have a vision for the Lord's kingdom. John the Baptist was saying that the the kingdom of heaven was at hand, and and he was preaching this excitement. And do you know what's one of the most wonderful times to live is at the time of the vision casting? I love a visionary who can just get up there and just talk about a future, a bright future ahead. And they talk about these glorious things, you know, like, uh, and and let's use the building, you know, the new multi-purpose building at the at the school. You know, you we've got this idea, we've got we've got plans, we've got money that's been donated. It's going to help with the when it's raining that our kids will have a place to play, and and it's going to be beneficial in in all these ways. And they. And they begin to sell it, and they begin to tell us about it, and we get excited about it. It's a glorious day, isn't it? It's a glorious few months as we talk about building this multi-purpose building. Maybe you remember it when you were going to build the fellowship hall, when you talked about it and you made the decision, this is what we're going to do. And you know there's another exciting day. The day when it's done. When the fellowship hall was done, I don't know, I suppose that you had a celebration. I hope you used it pretty quick after it was done. We did. Why? We want to celebrate the completion of the vision. And I'm hoping really soon that this multi-purpose building at the school, we're going to be able to celebrate that day when it's completed. Have a ribbon-cutting ceremony, and, and I don't know what all, but, but you, ha- you go from the day when you, you know, they, they break dirt, they have a big ceremony for that, they have a big ceremony, a ribbon-cutting when it's done, but what's life like in between? A lot of hard work. And quite honestly, it's, it's not the most fun place to be between the vision and the ribbon-cutting. And Jesus is is casting this vision for the kingdom coming. And we're excited about that. But it isn't here yet. And you know where we live? We live in the middle. We we, We keep hearing about the last days. They've been talking about the last days ever since at least Israel's become a nation. Especially since 88. It has been end days, end days, end days for probably as long as most of you can remember preaching. We're all excited about when the ribbon cutting ceremony happens and the Lord comes and he sets up his kingdom on earth. We're excited about that. The vision's been cast by Christ all the way back there. But right now, it's hard work. 
It's difficult. There's resistance. There's money to be raised for the fellowship hall until it was completed. There's money still. We're in the middle place for, for the multi-purpose building. We're in, that, we're in that place and we need money and we need work to be donated and we need things to be done and, and, and we've got all these things that, that have to be and, and we're in the middle and it's hard work and it's waiting. And Zechariah, the reason that I believe that God has led me to this book and, and why we're going to study it is Zechariah's messages for us that are in the middle the excitement's worn off. That initial thrust, when people are being added to the church daily, that's not happening anymore. We're happy if, if someone's added to the church yearly. The excitement's worn off. The, the people were excited to return home from, from Babylon. They're excited about building their homes. They're excited about building the temple. But the excitement's worn off. They've, they've stopped building the temple. They're not excited about it anymore. The, the priests, the, the spiritual leaders aren't excited about it anymore. If, if people are, are speaking, it's, it's, it's more just kind of in the, everyone's kind of in the mully grubs. Resistance is going on. Battles are going on. And, and, it's, and it's, it's where nobody wants to live. We want to live when there's, when the, you know, Joshua is marching around and conquering Jericho and conquering this place and that place. It's wonderful to, to, to go through those stories. But man, it's difficult when we're waiting for God to step on the scene and really do something. And I feel like that's where we're at as a people. We don't see the miracles. We see some miracles, but we don't see the miracles like, like they saw at the beginning. And like the miracles that are prophesied are going to happen at the end. We're just in the stage of hard work. Where it's not excitement that carries us through, but it's faithfulness that carries us through. It's not when, when enthusiasm is, is the order of the day, but it's patience. That's the order of the day. Zechariah, Zechariah's message to you here all these years later, he's, he's about 500, and, I think it was 520 B.C., if I remember correctly. About 120 years before the 400 years of silence. He's one of the last prophets that God will be speaking through until Christ comes. Till John the Baptist breaks the 400 years of silence. He's one of the last. And his message to us is, for those of us that are in the middle. Because you know what? Israel was about ready to go through a long middle. All the prophecies of the excitement of the coming of the Messiah. And Zechariah has some exciting prophecies concerning the Messiah. Zechariah is, is trying to prepare a people for how to live between the vision and the, and the glory, the victory of it being accomplished. Between the breaking of the, of the dirt, the first scoop shovel that, 
that's done just for a show and the ribbon-cutting ceremony, for those of us in the middle, that's Zachariah's message. That's why I'm excited about preaching it. A minor prophet, one that we often overlook, one that, that only one of us knew anything about. I'm excited about it because I believe his message is relevant to us today. It's not just to a people that, didn't, that need to build a temple. We don't need to build a church. I'm not trying to get a building think project going that I know of. Brother Gary, you have news for me that I don't know about? Good. <laughs> I better check with the chairman. I don't, I don't want to get in trouble here. I, I don't have a... I, I'm not trying to build something. I'm not trying to get us to build a, a parking garage or something. I don't know. But what I do recognize is that oftentimes being in the middle between the vision and the accomplishment of that, we need a message. We need some encouragement. We need some words from the Lord. And God gives us the Zechariah. And so together, together these next probably several, several months, just knowing the way I preach, I want to look at that together. Just look at what Zechariah's message might be for us all these years later who are not so unlike those people. People who probably don't have the same excitement as what those that founded Bible Holiness had. Those that founded our church had. We don't have that same excitement. But we need to hear... We need to hear the message of the Lord to help us to be faithful in the time in the middle. And so I encourage us all as we prepare for this journey, I'd encourage you to read through the book, but I'd encourage us all to ask God to help us to be faithful in the middle. Amen. Let's stand together. Brandon, dismiss this prayer, please.